Welcome to Dialogic, a Davis Humanities Institute podcast that bridges disciplines and builds dialogue across the humanities, arts, social sciences, and beyond. We'll keep you up to date on the latest in humanities research and public scholarship at UC Davis. I'm your host, Emily Rich, and in this episode, we'll learn about Dia de los Muertos, also known as Day of the Dead, a Mexican holiday celebrating and remembering those who have passed. We're excited to welcome our guest, Dr. Daniela Gutierrez Flores, visiting assistant professor of Spanish and Portuguese at UC Davis. Welcome, Daniela, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, happy to be here. Thank you. Of course. So yeah, first, I guess let's let's just get started with the basics. So can you tell us what is Dia de los Muertos? Yeah, of course. So Dia de Muertos is actually, it translates as Day of the Dead, but it's not actually a single day. It's actually several days, like a short season where we celebrate the life of those beloved ones who have left us. And so it takes place at the end of October and the first days of November. It's a tradition that's celebrated across Mexico. And it's a complex holiday, but it's mostly known to celebrate those uh, family members and friends and celebrate their lives through um, music, food, and gatherings. Okay, thank you. So you said that it's, you know, a kind of a, a complex holiday and it has lots of, you know, different components. I'm wondering if you can tell us, has the way that this holiday has been celebrated, has it has it changed over time or has it changed, you know, by location or anything like that? Yeah, so it is generally believed that this celebration has roots in pre-Hispanic practices, funerary rites specifically that were later combined with Catholic celebrations after uh, the conquest of Mexico in 1520. And in fact, when you look at the Catholic calendar, well, you will see that November 2nd is in fact All Saints Day, which is the day since the Middle Ages, this is a day where the Catholic Church honors the deceased, right? Um, so the historical origins of this holiday, especially its pre-Hispanic indigenous roots, have been a very hot point of contention for decades. Scholars have discussed this um, a lot, and it's it's a complicated discussion that um, we don't have time to get into right now, um, whether or not this shows remnants of ancient pre-Hispanic practices. However, I will say that it is definitely a unique cultural practices that deviates from what we find in celebrations of All Saints um, days in other regions that also practice Catholicism. So, for example, there are sources from the 16th century. There's one 1581 um, by a Dominican friar by the name of Diego Duran, where he, he describes all the practices that he witnessed in the early years of colonization. This is roughly 60 years after the arrival of Hernán Cortés to Mexico City, to what we know today as Mexico City. And he is talking about All Saints Day and describing, he's very surprised that the people there are bringing food offerings to to their beloved ones. And obviously we have to remember these kinds of 
of texts where their chief goal was to evangelize and convert indigenous peoples to the Christian faith. So they are recording these practices not in an effort to preserve them, but to eradicate them. And ironically, in doing so, they preserve them. So <laughs> thank you, friars. So yeah, in, in, in one of these books, he, he, he describes the offerings of money and chocolate and candles and fruits and animals and seeds. And it's, it's very striking how, how similar these descriptions are to some of today's um, day-to-day practices. And he asks the people why, why they're doing this. And, and they respond that this is the way their ancestors honored their beloved ones who had passed away. And, and they were keeping that tradition alive. Um, and this is, you know, 1581, and we can definitely think of parallels to today's practices. Then, of course, it has evolved so much since then. In, I would say, in the 20th century, there were several writers and intellectuals who wrote about death and about the celebration specifically quite extensively, probably the most important among them would be Octavio Paz, who in a 1961 essay titled The Labyrinth of Solitude, he has a, a very interesting chapter called The Day of the Dead, where he discusses the celebration and he ties this celebration to what he sees as a very uniquely Mexican attitude towards death. He argues that Mexicans have this particular relationship with death, and that is a relationship, it's a joyous relationship. We face death with laughter and humor and not with fear. And that is generally the spirit of, of the celebration. And, and I think Paz's essay was throughout the 20th century so popular and so influential that it really entered popular culture and our imaginary of how we understand our relationship with with death in in Mexican culture. Wow, that's that's so amazing. I actually had no <laughs> idea that that went back so far like all the way to the the 1500s. That's um that's so fascinating. Um and you know the way that you're describing those practices even like the, the that early recording that you uh, mentioned of it. You said that there was like specific food and specific things that were brought to honor the dead there. Um, and I guess I'm wondering if you can if you can tell us a little about current practices. Like are there specific foods or other items that tend to be involved in this celebration? Are there other like cultural forms that sort of spring up around it? Like what feels really mm-hmm. important or like, I don't know, uh, characteristic of it to you? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think food is one of the most important parts of the celebration, probably of any celebration. And as you said, like it's a complex tradition that has changed a lot over time. And in recent years, it has really become like a global phenomenon and probably the most recognizable like symbol of, of Mexico. Just to go back a little bit to your previous question, I myself, I am from the northeast of Mexico and I did not grow up celebrating Day of the Dead. Maybe an aunt of mine had an altar at home or maybe two aunts had, but it wasn't such a big deal. And I always felt less Mexican because of it, because it was so tied. It it is so tied still to national identity. But I did grow up with 
the foods of the Day of the Dead. Um, that has changed now. I think it has become more mainstream and way more widespread um, in in the last few decades. But the specific foods that are very, very popular, I, I would say, is pan de muerto, which means um, bread of the dead. And this is a very simple dough with generally it has some orange zest, maybe some anise, and then it's covered in, in sugar. Today, you can find them filled with dulce de leche or jam or Nutella. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're generally, uh, you have some hot chocolate. And what's what's very um, interesting about them is that it's, it's a round bread that on top has these other pieces of bread that are shaped into bones. So this comes because in ancient um, times, people would bring the bones of their beloved ones. They would, of course, clean them and tend to them and bring them to the altar. And this was a little unsettling for the Europeans. Um, so over time that evolved and so we have this like bone-shaped bread. In some regions of Mexico, um, they're different and they're literally, um, they're like human-shaped breads. Like they're, they're called muertitos, like little, little dead people. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's a very unique tradition. Another one that um, you probably have encountered that it's super iconic um, are the sugar skulls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that are very colorful and very, um, just very beautiful. They're made out of pure cane sugar decorated with colorful sugar paste. They generally are for children. And so you'll get one and put your name on on the, the skull's um, forehead. And I personally, I'm not a huge fan of it. I think it it, they're mostly to decorate the altar, and um, they they represent the deceased. But the sugar skulls actually also have a very, very interesting history behind them. We can also find them made out of amaranth seeds. Amaranth is a plant that is endemic to the region of, of Mexico. It kind of resembles like quinoa, and so... These skulls are made of this paste of amaranth with sugar and shaped into in, in, into these skulls and also um, decorated just like the sugar skulls. And what's interesting about this particular one is that we have records as early as um, the 1500s again of figurines made out of amaranth paste and amaranth dough um, used in altars. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so, for example, there's a 1629 treatise on heretical practices that discusses the human-shaped amaranth um, figurines that people would make to represent their gods and then eat them. And for obviously for, for the Spanish priests, this was deemed as erratic and um, as a superstitious practice that needed to be eradicated. And, uh, you know, they were set in the altars with incense and, and foods. So much like modern altars in a way, 
So that is generally uh, believed to be like sort of the, the background of where the sugar skulls come from, which is um, very interesting. Wow, that's really fascinating. And I'm just noticing this through line of like yet another example of where some of the only or like the earliest or whatever sources we have about this are from the, you know, people who are colonizing and trying to like eradicate these practices. And yet, which is, you know, awful. And, you know, you read that just with this kind of horrible, you know, knowledge of what was done there. But also that's so fascinating that that's what's giving us access to that knowledge. Also, it's such a weird archival experience. Absolutely. It's ironic. And you always have to read carefully and and understand, right, the the textual history behind it. But it definitely, yeah, gives us access to a lot of information about the these ancient cultures that we don't otherwise um, have access to. Wow, that's that's really interesting. Well, I'm wondering, uh, to close out the, the episode here, I'm wondering if you can tell us if there's any events or activities or sort of celebrations that are being planned at Davis uh, for this holiday. Yeah, so there are several things going on. Um, they're all organized by the graduate students at uh, the Department of Spanish and Portuguese. The first one is on October 27th, and this is going to be a workshop to make the cutout paper. So this is very traditional. It's used to decorate the altars. And this is in collaboration with the Spanish club. This is going to take place at Olson room 18A at 6 p.m. And that's the paper that the students are going to use for the altar. So the altar is going to be set up on Friday the 28th in the uh, lobby of Sproul Hall, which is where our department is housed. Um, so you can come and anyone can come and, and help out in, in setting out the altar. It is going to be a collective altar. So if you want to bring a picture of your beloved ones who have passed away, the, their favorite foods, anything that you want to contribute, um, you're very welcome to. And then on November 2nd, which is the last day of the Day of the Dead, we are going to inaugurate the altar. We're going to have some pan de muerto. Uh, so if you want to try it, you can, you can swing by. And um, they're also organizing a poetry contest with poems that are about death and, and that see death through a humoristic um, lens or tone. So the the winners will be announced there as well. Um, I believe there will also be some music. So yeah, that's on um, Wednesday, November the 2nd at Sproul at 7 p.m. And then lastly, on November the 7th, they are organizing a sugar skull uh, making workshop. They are collaborating with the Food Tech Club. So there, there will be a demo on how to make these calls. I will probably uh, contribute with some of the historical background behind this practice, and and everyone will go home with their own with their own little skull. So that's going to take place at the Sensory Building in the Mondavi Institute for Food and Wine. Wow, awesome! So it sounds like there's a lot of things that if people are interested in in learning more or in participating, please go. That sounds. It sounds really amazing. 
Um, and shout out to all the grad students who are putting that together in Spanish and Portuguese. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's about the time that we have, but I wanted to say thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you for coming and, and sharing your knowledge uh, with us today. No, thank you, Emily, for the invitation. That's all for this episode of Dialogic. For more information about the podcast or to listen to past episodes, visit the Davis Humanities Institute website, dhi.ucdavis.edu. We'll see you next time.